When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Things are happening so fast. Yeah. Uh, and not even hearing it. So, yeah, they got cashierless stores over in Asia right now where you walk in, you grab your thing, and you walk out of the store, and it just pings you. Yeah. The end of privacy completely. Yep. Uh, you're going to be tracked forever. The internet started as this anonymous handle thing. I got six different handles. They, I told you this, that Walmart is training their employees with VR goggles that have someone screaming at you. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so so it you, can practice, you can practice keeping your cool. Welcome to episode 31. We're back after Thanksgiving. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are Let's you doing? Let's hop right into it. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to say. We haven't talked this for one's gonna a run, week. This one's going to run long. So we've seen each other a lot over the last uh-huh. week, and every time I brought something up, we're like, bup, bup, bup. podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> so this is all kind of a week old. You had a lot, so let's start with what you, some of your topics. Well, my first thing was, how was your Thanksgiving? That was my first topic. It was fine. It was, uh, you know, went home, same old family stuff. Uh, a lot of what I wrote down is based on Thanksgiving. So the, the one thing that occurred to me was, uh, my grandma was there, she's 92, and just I, I watched her be old and it's yeah. it's man if that hits you all at once if you were just trapped in your own body i don't think many people would stick around i think you'd be i'm not gonna put up with this yeah <laughs> you know yeah you boil the frog yeah your function your physical and mental faculties decline slow enough yeah that you're not miserable with them well the thing with her is her mental faculties appear to be completely there but she can't hear what's going on very oh. often in conversations and she like but her brain is as far as i can tell sharp that's actually best case scenario I think. yeah i'd rather have my body break down than my brain it's either way it's uh it seemed hard and then i watched the i don't recommend it martin scorsese's thing on netflix what was it the Irishman. The Irishman. Don't recommend it. Some people loved it. I thought it was long and drawn out. But one of the things in that is he's a gangster and he starts off the movie. This isn't a spoiler. 90 years old in a retirement home. And the feds come and they don't even try to lock him up. And I was like, that's so true. Because when you see someone who's caged in their own body, you just like forgive all of their crimes. What can yeah. I possibly do to you that Father Time hasn't already done? And I don't know. I felt like that with my grandma. It was, it was, uh, she's not like miserable or anything, but it seemed scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have any fears of getting old, but I think I just adopted one. Nice. After this Thanksgiving. Good. Always good to add a new anxiety to the list. <laughs> we'll see. This made me very interested in uh, Peter Diamandis's abundance stuff where they talk about uploading consciousness and having the human body yeah. last longer. And oh, having... we're, we're well on our way to cyborgs. My dad's had two sports hernias, so his abdomen is made of titanium. Yeah. And uh, I had an old boss who had a pacemaker. My grandpa's got a pacemaker. It's yeah, basically yeah. a robot heart. We're getting there, man. It's crazy. Peter Diamandis, I watched an hour-long thing. It's his Abundance 360 conference. I'm going to talk a lot about it. But the one thing related to this is he said that very soon humans will have a spare set of their own organs huh. waiting. Because you can, with without even like taking a placenta stem cell, like your own stem cells yep. can be grown into these organs, which if you have the money will just be kept on ice for you in your local hospital or whatever. And at the point where they can, you know, 3D print those quickly enough, you go in with a heart attack and they're just like, all right, let's take this spare out, pop it on in. Crazy. Yeah, crazy stuff. 
But what about you? How was yours? Good. This is not Thanksgiving related, but yeah, one of the highlights of my trip, Mind Bloom. Yeah. We went to my friend's psychedelic medicinal, <clears throat> I don't know what to call it, clinic. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. So we, we spoke about it. Mine, we what it is, is he has a ketamine clinic. Yep. Uh, ketamine is, I think it's traditionally used as an anesthetic, mm -hmm. but when used in low doses, has psychedelic properties. And because it's been cleared as an anesthetic, it's in this interesting place within the legal system where you can go get a prescription for it because it's, it wasn't demonized like a lot of the other psychedelics were 30, 50 years ago. Yeah. And so you can go in, get a prescription, and take an hour and have a psychedelic experience that is intended to treat depression and anxiety, though they're also trying to get it cleared for just general mental tune-ups and, and Yeah, and potentially PTSD. And it's yeah. nice because what has been cleared by the FDA is 10 times the dose. Yeah. So even though this is an off-label use, yeah. I felt very comfortable yeah, yeah. because if it, were, if it were surgery or a dental surgery or something, I would take four grams <laughs> yeah, and yeah. instead I was taking 400 milligrams. Yeah, yeah. So I felt comfortable it was safe. Did you Do you feel lasting impacts of yours? I don't know. I really liked my experience. Yeah. I, it was the first, it's, it, mine was so cliche. It was every woo-woo psychedelic <laughs> takeaway that everyone has, but it, it was the first experience I would say that was like heart opening. Yeah. I think as a human, I'm just standard human selfishness, mm -hmm. not more so, but definitely not less so. And mm -hmm. so I think about things from my perspective, what's good for me, growing the business for myself. And this was an extreme experience of empathy Yeah, where I was really thinking about other people exactly as if they were me. So if I reflected on an employee, their happiness and my happiness were tied, Yeah, if that makes sense, which was great for me, that was a shattering thing because yeah, yeah. I want them to be happy, but push comes to shove, Yeah, I look out for my own happiness. And then the empathy extended to people who weren't employees, people who I have bad relationships with. So the whole thing was just a very interesting look into how one can perceive things. Mm -hmm. So I have, thought it was great. Have you carried it, do you feel like, forward? And, or how much of that, if that experience was 100 out of 100 or whatever, how much do you feel like you've taken with Too you? Too soon to say. I yeah. think one thing I learned from Landmark Forum, mm -hmm. don't call your victories <laughs> until you've played them out. Because the day after that, I was like, woo! And then my life was totally unchanged. Self-love complete. Yeah. So I would say for for my mind bloom experience, the jury is out because I think yeah. the proof's in the pudding. And it's a four treatment thing. Yes. So they send you home and it's it's literally a prescription bottle with four treatments. You're supposed to do approximately one a week on your own time in your own house because it's it's fairly light of an experience. And then that is at least one round of treatment. Yep. So we'd be calling it early to say 25%, what have you gotten? That's exactly. Like, it's like taking 25% of your antibiotics and being like, yeah. I cured it, but I also created a super bug. <laughs> exactly. But no, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I liked that it was light. When you mm -hmm. sign up for, like when I recommend ayahuasca, to some extent I have to go, are you ready yeah. for a potentially really rough entire weekend? Uh -huh. How big is the issue you're trying to solve? Yeah. Because this could be, time gets warped, and you could experience an eternity of misery mm -hmm. for four hours of actual time. Mm -hmm. And this was one hour, very pleasant. Yeah. So I felt much more comfortable recommending it to other people. Got it. And because it's legal, I can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so we, we've mentioned this before, but yeah, we're going to be looking into different places. Where we're looking into Amsterdam to go for a psilocybin retreat. I think... I mentioned Peter Diamandis. I watched his thing. He's got this conference, Abundance 360, and he talks about all the breakthrough technologies. Amazing, inspiring, really exciting stuff. But what's not on there is consciousness. Hmm. And I do think it's, it's, that's the one critical piece that is missing because we're about to make leaps forward in terms of psychedelic legality, I think, in the next two to four years. And 
a lot of the problems he's going to solve with like, oh, we have plenty of crops and we don't need people to work because there's robots. But it doesn't necessarily, it solves, my belly is hungry, but it doesn't solve, I'm selfish, angry, upset, you know, all of the, the horrible things that humans do to each other in a world that still has abundance. Mm-hmm. And that's where I do think, not just psychedelics, but other consciousness opening things, Vipassana retreats, mm-hmm. uh, breath work, all that kind of stuff is useful. So I'm considering actually signing up for his his expensive little conference to nice. go hang out. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I'm excited for, we signed up for Eckhart Tolle's October retreat in Hawaii. Yeah. Hopefully that'll be a non-psychedelic way to work on mindfulness and presence. To just hang out and be in a beautiful area. It is funny that he takes people to Hawaii. Yeah. I was thinking about that. Oh, you have to. <laughs> I think you have to. To be present in the winters of Chicago yeah. is possible, Yeah. but that's full on monk mode, right? Yeah, yeah, the Buddha yeah. could go to the winter in Chicago and be happy. Yeah. Easier for training wheels purposes, go to Hawaii. Yeah, go where hang Where you can out. sit without your phone for three hours and you watch the birds. Mm-hmm. I got you. So do you want to hop in? I've got a handful of things that are all C transitions. Uh, go for it. So yeah, Peter Diamandis. I think I mentioned this. Uber, operational flying hella things for individuals by 2023. They have released. Wow. Dude, it's insane. Hover, flying. How, they, how they high do look, they fly? They look like the shield uh, hovercrafts, just m- miniaturized kind of. Uh, they've got like four propellers and they like tilt like this. Yeah. Uh, above the city. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Above the city. So yeah, at first I think that's going to make traffic better. But then that concerns me because <laughs> mm-hmm. now you can just crash into each other in the sky and then shrapnel will fall through the... There are no small accidents yeah. when you're that high in no, the No, it's true. It's crazy. My my uncle, so more somber, my uncle yeah. was a Navy helicopter pilot mm-hmm. and then came back from service and became an emt or emergency evac person so you go to the, you break your leg in the grand canyon you're definitely going to die out there unless a helicopter gets you he comes and gets you and two it's so it's such a bummer two emergency life-saving helicopters were going to the same hospital and whoever was doing the mm-hmm. in the hospital guidance just didn't tell them about each other and they crashed and when you crash in a car you're probably going to survive yeah, yeah these helicopters crashed every person in either helicopter just dead of course so when you have cars like that at first you're like oh this is great because now every 10 feet can be a new traffic lane yeah so the, the amount of traffic is 10 percent, but every car accident will be brutally fatal which sure. is going to be weird well this is the thing they're going to put human people in there but that's just for show that's just to start because really what they're going to do is have self-driving autonomous flying yeah transport you need it honestly for yeah. for the flying car especially yeah and so that's, you know, first couple of years, they're predicting that they'll have, you know, manned flights mm-hmm. and it'll be probably more expensive and all that kind of stuff. But very quickly, they're moving towards autonomous flying helicopters that will land essentially at these landing pads on top of certain buildings, et cetera. L.A. is one of the first cities they're doing it in. Yeah, we need it the most. Yeah. <laughs> and they got a little, they got this, it's concept, but it's like, oh my God, this is a concept that they are working on. Yeah. It is crazy, man. So that was one thing. The Boring Company, which was a silly pun in Elon Musk's brain like two years ago, built an MVP, I believe it was a kilometer or a mile of, you know, car goes on the escalator, car goes through, car comes up, just to prove that they could do it. And they've got like multi, multi tens, if not hundreds of million dollar contracts from the government. CERN is looking to use them. Again, it's just, it's, things are happening so fast. Yeah. Uh, and not even hearing it. So yeah, they got cashierless stores over in Asia right now where you walk in, you grab your thing and you walk out of the store and it just pings you. Yeah. The end of privacy completely. Yep. Uh, you're going to be tracked forever. The internet 
started as this anonymous handle thing. I got six different handles. Facebook comes in, kind of standardizes it, but there's still corners of the web. It's There's going to be so much less anonymity yeah. in the world, which is just interesting to think about. Uh, and hop in on any of these. These are just the things that I found were fascinating. 3D printed homes that make a home in a day. It's essentially a crane that has all of the materials that it needs and it like creates some plops them down creates some plops them down super interesting i'll put up if we can just a video of this sort of to go along so it's got uh, a little visual accompaniment of what i'm talking about here and then ai which is, i think is the only thing that potentially impacts everything has ancillary impacts on our business but ai and vr and ar are the ones that could have the most impact on confidence charisma interpersonal relationships i think uh, which is kind of why I was wondering if I should go check this out to see if we build some sort of augmented reality thing. They, I told you this, that Walmart is training their employees with VR goggles that have someone screaming at you. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so so you, can feels, practice, you can practice keeping your cool. Because it's not as real, and you've been to these VR things, that they're so engrossing. Yeah, to have someone make your heart spike and then stay calm is better training, you know? Yeah, we always talk about exposure therapy. Yeah. People say, how do I be more confident? And you take your comfort zone, and you go outside of it by 10% and mm -hmm. you just do it over and over and over. And so with VR, if you are if you have a job interview, you can sit down and look around yeah. in a mock office while someone who looks identical to your interviewer mm -hmm. gives you an interview instead of having to do it with your buddy where you're wearing regular clothes instead of a suit or whatever. Yeah. And what I remember what you did when you had your amateur fight was you got to the arena early mm -hmm. and you walked the path mm -hmm. and you like listened to the music and you tried to make it as realistic as you could. And you said that was super helpful, right? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not something, it's not part of procedure. I actually had to not fight for it, but yeah. persuade my way yeah. to be able to get into the octagon ahead of time mm -hmm. and just feel what the mat, because the mat feels different. You're yeah, used yeah, to yeah. training on these gym mats yeah. in your gym and now you're on this kind of more slippery, bouncy thing yeah, yeah. on a stage with thousands, or not thousands, hundreds of seats around you. Mm -hmm. You've never been, I've never been in a situation like that. So yeah, I didn't want my first time to be when someone was trying to take my head off. So. Yeah. I kind of like schmoozed my way on and then it made me more comfortable when I actually did the fight. And imagine having the name announced and the crowd yeah. and, and, and feeling, because I would, I would feel it for sure. You know, they're saying your name, they're announcing it, people are cheering, the guy's looking at you. Yeah. And being able to have that experience 10 times and then do it for real on the 11th and have to fight, but be pretty confident that yeah. your adrenaline isn't just going to dump and leave you burned out in a minute and a half. I had a friend, way better fighter than me. I feel no, no shame in saying that. Yeah first fight he had he lost because he had a massive adrenaline dump mm -hmm. which means that despite the fact that he could run a half marathon he had no cardio after 90 seconds yeah because his adrenaline just plumped like it it plunged through his body and then was gone mm. and so then he just lost he got slaughtered yeah and that was why i did all my visualization and stuff is because i saw that so mm -hmm. yeah if you could vr practice a fight a job interview flirting whatever makes you nervous yeah that's going to help your performance. Yeah. So all of this stuff, very, very fascinating. It also just made me realize that we're actually fortunate enough to be our business charisma on command is not competitive with a lot of other things. And it's not competitive because it was just what we liked and it wasn't necessarily solving a problem that people were clamoring for. Like, I was thinking this. There's <laughs> people watching this who are truck drivers or yeah. who are cashiers yeah. are pissed right now. We're yeah. construction workers. Yeah. Yeah, technology is going to eat up a lot of jobs. And so, and he's actually got a roadmap for like how much time you have given your industry before semi and total replacement. And and uh, we're fortunate in that creative jobs tend to last longer, like content. But yeah, it's also, the hardest thing for a robot to do. Not really though. They're writing content. <laughs> like you've seen the Reddit 
uh, bots that summarize articles, for instance. Go get six different articles. They're, they're very good, yeah. and they're not far away from, from just creating better content. And yeah. quite frankly, I Should was thinking- Should we do that for our content? Just farm it out to AI? Dude, what I'm an algorithm. Doing? I'm an algorithm. I watch things, and I'm sure I miss things. Yeah. But they're going to be like, dude, his pupils dilated 26%. That, <laughs> you know, they're going to they're be so much better Way at, better at spotting charisma than I am yeah. and explaining how and why it happens. And yeah, I'm, I'm done. You know what they don't have that you have, though? Heart. Surely that'll matter. <laughs> That's surely. Wait. No gumption. One, no one cares? Gumption. No, what? You guys don't watch because of uh, my gumption? <laughs> so... It, it's going to be an interesting world. Peter Diamandis is a super optimist uh, and thinks it'll be net better, of course. But you mentioned there's going to be absolutely some problems in mm -hmm. the short term. There's going to be people out of jobs who don't have incomes, who can't retrain realistically because they're 40, 50 years old and have spent their whole lives in whatever craft that they're yeah. in. That's not new to today, though. You know, there were horse groomers that went out of business absolutely. when there were cars. I think that's just the, the way technology works is it moves society forward and unfortunately replaces human jobs at every step. Yeah. Now the question is how fast? And is there a point, this is what Andrew Yang talks about, how fast is it occurring? He says faster than ever, even on a percentage scale. In terms Makes sense. Technology is exponential. Yeah. And when, you know, when there's 5%, 6%, 7% unemployment, okay, we can handle it. But when it pushes 15, 20, then you get riots and revolution, you know? So that's that's the question is how many people are we going to displace and how quickly are we going to be able to retrain or give them the thousand dollar freedom dividend mm -hmm. is that what it's called uh so i don't know the answer to that peter diamandis just has a big smile on yeah. his face he's super optimistic it's gonna be fine <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be awesome i don't know the answer to that question but i'm intrigued yeah. it made me super excited for i want to hear about the thanksgiving conversation you had yeah, i had a that couple we haven't talked about yet i had a couple so we live in Pennsylvania, which is, it went red last, I think it went red for Trump, but the point know. is, it's, it's actually a battleground state. Yeah. So I have uh, I have Trump voters on one ant, and I have uh, diehard Bernie people in my in my uh, <laughs> sister's fiance, and so it's fascinating. And and I'm, I'm a rabble rouser. I like to just get everyone angry. Yeah. <laughs> so I was listening to whatever radio thing is like, you know, before you sit down with your family this Thanksgiving, set some ground rules about what topics you won't talk about, politics, religion. I was like, nope. Yeah, you're like the Joker. You just want to see the world burn. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I heard a little bit of Trump stuff from my one aunt, and the conversation got sidetracked. But I did get a chance to talk to the Bernie supporter. Uh, and he'd had some drinks of this, so I don't think it accurately represents his view. But what I thought was interesting in both of them, I really do think you're looking at uh, there are some people out there, who, uh, let me pause. There are some people out there who genuinely care about policy, mm -hmm. who have opinions on, uh, even educated opinions on how particular policies will have first, second, third order effects and why you would want to go in one direction. That was not what I experienced over Thanksgiving with these particular people. And I do think that they're indicative of there's more people like this than there are people who are deeply interested in policy and sure. are interested in switching sides if they find that this policy achieves their goals better. Mm -hmm. What I had was two partisans who uh, were defined by who they chose to hate was the biggest thing. And so uh, I didn't really get into my, my aunt, but what I've seen is there's the hatred of the snowflake comes from the Trump side. We hate the snowflakes. We hate the 
uh, but not always, but like we hate people who take our jobs, which may or may not be immigrants. We hate the moochers is, is part of it. People mm -hmm. who uh, don't produce and complain mm -hmm. is a big thing. And then I spoke to this, uh, my sister's fiance, who's a Bernie guy, and who he hates are the billionaires. And it was really interesting because we had conversations and I was talking to him, I was, I was trying to dive down into what he feels. I said, what do you, do you think that billionaires are necessarily bad people? And he said, yes. He said, you cannot have that much money and not be a terrible human being. Wow. Yeah. And big, I was, I big was, quote. well, I don't, I don't, don't quote him exactly. Cause he might not have said terrible, but he might've said bad, mm -hmm. you know, but he, that was the thrust of what he said, of being a bad person. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And then I said, so, okay, they, they should give up their money. Now he was particularly mad at Jeff Bezos. And I said, do you use Amazon? And he said, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they got the best stuff. I said, where do you think all of those billions came from? It's, it's from people like you who have chosen who, you know, to not support their local mom and pop, to not go out of their way to take a drive, to spend more money in order to buy a more expensive thing that would set them back a little bit more uh, in order. And yeah, but then Jeff Bezos' $140 billion net worth would be distributed amongst thousands of mom and pops and, that's and, what would happen if no one used amazon and what you would argue is that the the other side would argue less than 140 billion because he created value is is what i tend to believe in that case i, I do believe that net it has and what you can argue whether or not it's gone too fast yeah sure you're just highlighting that his money does, comes, comes from you from comes from, from you. you yeah it comes from you uh and and what there was on both sides was a desire for someone else to change right he wants uh, jeff bezos not to have the money but he wants to be able to use Amazon. Yeah. So he wants Jeff Bezos to invent Amazon and he wants to not have to go to his mom and pop. He wants well, no, Amazon Prime. Well, no, and then he said, no, he says he would do without Amazon. And it's a very easy thing for him to say. It's like, well then do, do without it. it. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. the change you want to see in the world. And, uh, you know, I was like, it's because you have a newer iPhone than I do. Like, and there was this argument, not an argument, it was a discussion, really. It didn't get heated. Um, but it, I, Everyone you you say this looks to the right on the bell curve. Yeah, and when he looks at Jeff Bezos He rightly in comparison feels minuscule small like what could he possibly do like he is if Jeff Bezos is the 99% He's just he's just a school teacher, you know mm -hmm. in an inner city Which is a very respectable thing he chose to work at an inner city school as opposed to working at one that might make more money in the suburbs mm -hmm. Really great decision, but he allows himself because of that to feel totally poor Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, look around the world, look throughout history, you compared to 99 or 95% of the people on the planet are extremely wealthy. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Jeff Bezos, the answer you get is there's nothing I can do. I have to buy Amazon if I want to eat. But when you look down to the person who doesn't have enough rice for that day, clearly you can go without in order to make the kinds of positive sacrifices that would improve things for a lot of people. And he, I think he kind of conceded that point at the end. And I just think when I talk to people about politics or stuff, it really is these personal angers, issues often mm -hmm. coming up, not to do with policy, that allow them to feel like victims yeah. in the world so that they do not have the responsibility of changing. And I don't say that to mean that you can't, in addition to changing oneself— change the economic policies and tax corporations in a different way and i'm very interested in arguments for all of that but i i feel that people lose credibility when they don't first 
try to do something even yeah. minuscule even turning off the lights to save the power if they care about you know what i mean like uh do something yeah. to prove that you've got skin in the game and that you're not totally as powerless as you believe so it was an interesting conversation and i don't mean to make it just about uh bernie supporters because it's not because i saw it on the other side with sure. trump as well it seems to be a human no, thing billionaire billionaire hate is so hot right now though yeah so hot right now so easy because there's only a handful of them yeah it's, no I, I was watching something interesting and Full disclosure, I had to turn it off because I was just very mind blown by yeah. it. It was aggravating to watch. Uh, but Hassan Minaj, he had a show about why the billionaires won't save us. And there was a point he made where there was a, the founder of GoPro owed $10 million in taxes. And instead of paying it, he donated $500 million of stock to charity. Mm -hmm. And in Hassan's world, that was tax evasion. But to not pay $10 million in taxes, you just have to donate... 50 million ish yeah and so it seemed like it was discrediting this guy's generosity by saying that it was selfish and i think everything we all do is selfish at the end of the day at mm -hmm. a very high level mother Teresa did what she did because it made her feel good mm -hmm. but it's still pretty impressive that the guy gave away 500 million dollars mm -hmm. so yeah it's just hot right now to say that billionaires are bad people and uh, i mean i don't know i i just wish that there would be and i and i try to keep this in myself it's Judgment is so, such a powerful feeling. Oh, yeah. It it's feels so such good. an intoxicating, powerful thing to say that someone else has done wrong and that you are superior. And I fall victim to it often. But, like, try not to. <laughs> you know, I, I at least cognitively, logically can recognize that when I fall into those traps, that's not the right thing to do. But I do think I want to caveat because I think this can be misconstrued because Hassan is, I think, more left-leaning and so is Bernie Sanders as a as a critique only of those on the left and it's really not sure it can come from people with money who say that the problem with the country is all the poor people who are, are mooching and sucking off the system not right. recognizing the ways in which they of course do the same types of things in slightly different optics yeah no uh, i had a hilarious conversation i was on the i was on the elliptical at the gym and this woman this 55 year old woman came next to me and she turned off uh, ESPN to turn the news on. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. Hmm. And it's Trump. And immediately she goes, what do you think about Trump? It's like, here we go. This is going to be fun. And it turns out she's a huge Trump supporter. Oh, really? Yeah. And everything she said was complete nonsense. And it was mm -hmm. so fascinating because I actually really don't have any skin in the game. I think he's completely average in terms of being a president. If you tune out all the things he tweets, it's like, I don't know, George Bush started a bunch of wars. People have a bunch of problems with Obama. Being president's hard. That's my whole take mm -hmm. on everyone who's been president they screw stuff up and being president is hard but she was just hilariously stereotypical in terms of everything that the democrats do is terrible everything that trump does is awesome and she was she was saying things like this impeachment is such a waste of funds i can't believe the government has to pay for this yeah. i was like well the government and i said this i'm like oh, it was great because it made the treadmill really yeah, yeah. fast because it distracted me i was like the government has 4.5 trillion dollars of budget yeah. how much do you think this impeachment trial is costing nothing yeah. It's a, it's not a waste of funds. Well, it's a waste of focus. Do you think that these government officials do good things with their time? You said that they're all idiots. Yeah, yeah. Isn't this great that it takes their focus and puts mm -hmm. it on something that's meaningless since you think they're idiots? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just wish Trump would come here to California and, and get rid of the homeless. <laughs> like, wow, there's so many issues with it. It was just hard, yeah. hard tangents. Like, yeah. I have a hundred things about this. Trump's not coming here because California's a blue state, so he's not going to help at all. But what do you mean when you say get rid of the homeless? Like... And then, so these conversations are interesting because what I want to try doing, and, and I tried with with um, this guy. I don't want to talk about my sister's fiance's personal life, but we got into the 
the root of his emotional anger, which is very personal to him. Um, and I'm and I wanted to try, start doing that and ask like, well, tell me about the homeless. What is the problem with the homeless? And yeah. as you go down, you find that someone's sister is a drug addict and they hate. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. you find you find these very very personal reasons for people to claim that they have interest in these broad political policy issues. Uh, so I'd be very curious what this particular woman's thing was. Yeah, it was just fun for me. I like talking to people whose ideologies are based on very little critical thinking. Because mm -hmm. then when you ask them, I'm very Socratic. Yeah. I don't really say anything. It's just like, how much do you think this costs? How mm -hmm. much do you think the budget is? Yeah, it's just fun for me. And you can tell a lot of people there, they haven't really thought about it. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, they just talk to people who agree with them. And so they don't have to critically think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and I saw it, you know, I spoke to my mom a little bit about it. She turns on the news and she would, I think, admit as much to get angry these days. <laughs> she does. She's, turn it on. She wants to get fired up. And I think it's a, uh, it's an invigorating experience to be, to be charged and angry. The hate and makes her feel alive. It wakes you up at 9 p.m. You know what I mean? just like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> You're going to have a good final hour of your day if you just get charged up like that. Yeah. And... I think, unfortunately, what it does, uh, this is a, a semi-related, but uh, Grace, who you know, who I've been dating for a while, uh, often, what does she say? She says, I'm bored. And mm -hmm. I say, pause. Are you bored or are you anxious? She'll call me and say, hey, I'm bored. And I'm, you're not bored. You're anxious alone with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is occurring with the escape to anger, mm -hmm. is sit still on that couch with no TV and see what comes up and try it for 10 minutes and you can't you cannot handle the discomfort of being with yourself so you need to project onto the news and to oh, i'm bored and he's he's bad and she's bad and yeah. the democrats or republicans are going to ruin everything Who what is, is that is that colonel is that just a uh intrinsic human trait i don't know who it is i might get him could be george bernard shaw bertrand russell i don't know who says all of mankind's problems come from him from each man not being able to sit alone in a room with himself and i think it's because yeah the scariest things one has to deal with are internal and we all have we know times in which we escape struggles by going we call it escapism we go to the sure. movies we do the, i need to relax but what we don't realize is that that is we're, we're not just doing it on the rare occasion we show up at the theater we do it all day long mm -hmm. and if you've ever sat down to meditate and gotten bored that's because you're anxious as hell with yourself uh and i, I mean that, that I do think that's why when we talk about Peter Diamandis, it's the whole consciousness thing, which is mm. the most interesting to me because clearly there's still going to be problems even when there's enough stuff sure. for everybody on the yeah, planet. Yeah. I got no skin in the game, but people think that's interesting. Mm. A New Earth is yeah. probably a good book by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, love that book. Really, really good. No affiliation. It's just a good book. Should we switch to uh, current events? Uh, unless you have anything else. Nah, I'm good. So we, yeah, we didn't go as long as I thought. Good for us. We I didn't talked write... very quickly. <laughs> I didn't write down. I'm proud everything. of us. All right. What do we got today? All right, so first up, we got uh, artificial neurons developed to fight diseases from uh, University of Bath researchers. Mm. So basically, for people who don't know, neurons are the things in your body that carry signals to and from the brain to the rest of your body, like mm -hmm. messengers, kind of. Um, and so, so far, researchers replicated two types of neurons, including cells from the hippocampus, um, which plays a role in memory. And then the brain cells involved controlled in breathing. And so this is hopefully going to kind of lead a path to figuring out a cure for things like Alzheimer's and heart right. failure. Nice. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to add. I'm excited for the future with re with regards to this stuff. 
Are you I an have, optimist? I have no idea if this is true, but have you seen the TED talk about coconut oil and Alzheimer's? That it helps, I presume? Insane. Yeah. So I really can't, unfortunately, I wouldn't bet my life that it's true because it's just a TED talk and we've seen TED talks get disproved later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, someone is saying that there's evidence when you have Alzheimer's, one of the things that shows that you have it is you can't draw a clock. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. You just can't remember what you were doing. And so what should be a circle with the numbers 12 through 11 yeah. ends up being just a weird yeah, try yeah. with random numbers. It's a disaster. We'll see if we can pull up the image for people. Mm -hmm. And allegedly some amount of coconut every day, coconut oil, the person can draw a clock, which just means that the amount of I remember what I'm doing has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. So it's awesome to do neural cyber neurons to solve dementia. But yeah. I thought it was interesting that there might be nutritional things that help too. And I can't guarantee that that one is true, but I do think it's interesting in America, we love technology and we love yeah. pills. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So if this were a pill that had that study, I'm positive that it would have been aggressively researched, potentially patented and be being sold if that study were true. Yeah. But when it's coconut oil, there's not a lot of money to be made. Yeah. So very, very, very infrequently have I ever gone to a doctor and been given nutritional suggestions. Also, I don't know if it's just America or if it's people, but coconut oil, maybe it reverses it, maybe it doesn't. But a lot of those things that are diet related are preventative in nature and they add up over the course of a lifetime mm -hmm. to an you know a much better third act of one's life. And no, man, we want the intervention after yeah. <laughs> after we're crippled. Yeah. We want to just be made to have our legs walk on our back straight well, and this all is, those sorts of things. This is fascinating. You know this, but I, so I used to do coaching and I didn't just do charisma coaching. I bought this crazy Tony Robbins course so I could do interventions for other stuff. And mm -hmm. the way that you help people who are, they have life-threatening obesity is you have to force them to future project. Mm -hmm. So I had this woman, it was like, this is going to sound like a really mean thing to do, but she was very thankful. We're close still she was just get, having her body get worse and worse and worse. And she knew it was bad in her front brain, but wouldn't work out or change her diet. Mm -hmm. And the way that we broke through to have her lose 100 plus pounds was sit there and think about when you're dead and your kid is 12. Yeah. And she had to sit in it for an hour until she was crying hysterically, basically, mm -hmm. because it was the only way to show her how important it was. Because mm -hmm. we have this weird thing where short-term pleasure is much more exciting than ah, long-term pain yeah. so far away. So if you don't bring that long-term pain up to your forefront aggressively and vividly, mm -hmm. it's like, ah, I'll just do it later. I'll deal with it later. So yeah, yeah. That's, why, that's why nutritional changes in diets normally don't stick. I wonder how, uh, what, so take Eckhart Tolle, for example. He, he seems, he's getting old fast in the sense that like he's kind of got a hunch. I, I do wonder if one of the potential downsides of, very present experience is that it necessitates and maybe i'm misunderstanding it less investment in mm. longevity in the future well this is something i talk to people about because i'm very future focused right mm -hmm. try to eat with this this book called anti-cancer changed my diet completely yeah because my grandpa died of cancer and so then when i read this book i was like oh my god sugar causes cancer i yeah, had no yeah. idea it blew my mind and so i changed my whole diet because of that book but I don't think people are obligated to do that. I actually think everyone has a right to live however they want and die as young as they want. Mm -hmm. The only time it's an issue, I think, is when your health, your, how do I put this? When your decisions lead to health issues for yourself, and then somehow that has to cost the state money to reverse or keep you alive. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if your obesity leads to you using public insurance 
I think that's not necessarily fair. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to eat however you want and then have a heart attack and not live to be 100 because you don't care, mm -hmm. I don't think that's any better or worse than eating spinach every day to live to be 100. I, I say do your thing and just yeah. deal with the consequences. Yeah, and I guess uh, I don't know how to discourage that. There's a lot of ways in, and this, this is... This is the interesting debate. It's semi-political, but I, I'm not even interested in the political aspect. Where is the highest leverage point of intervention? One is to write legislation, for instance, that takes all of these fast food places and says, you can't use this kind of food. You got to have more expensive, better ingredients, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, what will happen is they'll just pick the cheapest ingredient that's still on the list that gives you a different kind of cancer in a sure. different way, right? So uh, I do think those public interventions are important for getting rid of certain carcinogens and all yeah, that, yeah. you know, can't smoke. Help repair the ozone. Yeah, but what often happens is they just find the, okay, you said I can't use this, like I'll bump up to this, the next most terrible thing mm -hmm. that I can create cheaply in an industrial way. So that's that's got limited power, it seems. Um, well, that's the big gun control debate. English people like to point out that their, their violence is mostly knife violence. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, violence still occurs, criminals still exist. But this is why I keep coming back to consciousness. And, and perhaps that's the final leg of the journey is to is once you get the most effective policies in place that you. What do you mean when you say consciousness? OK, so, for instance, if you're the CEO of McDonald's and we have decisions like this every time in our business where we go, we could we could lie in this ad copy. We just we just had to review a guy yeah. who wrote it's hilarious how much people want to lie and. Uh, and wrote a testimonial and then we looked back at the testimonial that he was referencing and said that's not what she said uh and that that happens all the time in businesses now thank god we checked uh but yeah that you can lie and earn more money that you can use ingredients that you believe aren't good for people and earn more money that you can uh that you can sell products in fact there's entire industries that i would be very skeptical of in terms of the value that they provide in people's lives as opposed to just creating anxieties mm. that that are temporarily relieved by the purchase of said luxury item right well, here, but here's my thing again if people thought mcdonald's was healthy that's bad but if someone walks into a mcdonald's and they know this is going to kill me but i like it okay well that would be both so there's higher consciousness both in the consumer and in the producer of that yeah i'm saying i don't think mcdonald's weirdly enough i don't think mcdonald's has an obligation to sell healthy food if people know that it's unhealthy and are just signing up for the consequences if you were the ceo of mcdonald's would you change things yeah this is what i'm saying they don't have an obligation but given the fact that you care you would do it and i'm not saying there needs to be a legal thing that states that you well, weirdly must. I'd, I'd probably just source my beef differently i don't know that mm -hmm. i would tr i would my customers are humans with brains they can do what they want mm -hmm. you know Probably the first change I'd make is not use slaughterhouses that mistreat animals. Okay, you'd be spending so you would radically you destroy the business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the board of do. directors get rid of me <laughs> real fast. But Actually, it might be illegal because I'd be failing my fiduciary responsibility. There's a weird legal duty when your company's public. Sure. To maximize profits. So, and and this is this is what I mean when I say a higher. This is what people I think generally mean when they say higher consciousness is you would go, hey, we can't keep doing this. We can't run a business that is so unethically sourced, run, created, etc. And of course, there's got to be room for uh, free consumer choice, but I'm not gonna be involved with providing trash to people that mm. comes at the suffering, the mass suffering of these animals. And so you're not a good candidate for that. And as more and more people opt out, 
you know what I mean, have experiences similar to yours that lead them not to do that. There's no one left to be CEO of McDonald's. We need a new organization called Beyond Meat or Impossible yeah. Burger or something. No knock to the CEO of McDonald's who <laughs> might be a lovely person. Might be, I'm sure is. And we definitely is... are not slandering, <laughs> libeling, or defaming. I'm sure, and this is the other thing, these people are always, not always, often, wonderful to their families, wonderful to their friends, generous in ways, but deeply unaware, as we all are, of the system that they're involved in and what it perpetuates. And so this is why I say that that, that consciousness, that expansion of your moral sphere is the number one thing that I'm interested in in terms of bettering human life, mm -hmm. not necessarily just the te technological breakthroughs, which do make it easy. But as long as people are selfish, they're going to take advantage of themselves and one another. And then to your point, the person who's choosing to eat McDonald's, if they had a higher degree of consciousness, they they probably would try to find other ways to get their sustenance that wasn't necessarily so bad for them. Mm. And I'm and I'm broadly characterizing McDonald's here. I don't know if all their food is good or terrible or what. Maybe there's a salad on the menu that, that isn't terrible for you. We sprinted a very long distance from coconut oil, and yeah. I'm proud of us. Yeah, I mean, this is what we do. We bring up news articles that have nothing to do with where we wind up. <laughs> What's our next inspiration, Justin? I have a question yeah. for you. I mean, do you think it's their responsibility to... to like the CEO of McDonald's, for example, do you think it's their responsibility? Because I assume what you're saying is at the top, they kind of maybe don't see the, the impacts of the people like at the bottom mm -hmm. who are the consumers. Um, do you think it's their responsibility to sort of like figure out those ethics? So I think that I try to be, I try to not judge and recognize that I lived a large part of my life. For instance, one of the things I try not to do is eat meat. Right. And I've been pretty good about that, but, uh, I don't think it's a legal responsibility. I do think that as people get older, free up more time, energy, and space, one has a moral responsibility to look at the cost of their way of life and what sacrifices need to be made by animals, the environment, and other people in order to maintain it. And then to say, this is my, my moral code is, were I born into a different position in this society, a different body, would I want to somebody in that position behaving as if they do? Meaning, you know, were I uh, an employee at McDonald's, is the, is, is the behavior that I'm currently doing as the CEO what I would like that other CEO to do? Or would I like them to redistribute the money a bit more egalitarian? I don't know exactly what it would be, but no, I do I'm, think there's a moral responsibility to question. Yeah, and the art, the art is to look at yourself and make decisions for yourself. Because, for instance, I drive to surfing. I could walk an hour and a half. Sure. Instead, I drive a half hour. Well, honestly, I'd probably, I could walk for two hours with my surfboard. <laughs> I drive for a half hour. You know, that burns gas, which yeah. goes into the air. So I'm not perfect. I think the only way to be perfect would be to sit alone until you died of starvation. Well, there's there's a, a group of people who I don't agree with, but are like, humans just need to die. We all need to kill ourselves. Yeah. Now, weirdly enough, they don't. many of them don't kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. Instead, like, they use electricity <laughs> to write their magnum opus, thus yeah. hurting the environment. <laughs> no, and that's my point. Is that We're not perfect. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be perfect. In fact, I'm saying no one can be. So my take is the idea is to reflect on yourself and see where you're doing the most harm that you can stop. You know, how can you just be better? Mm -hmm. and just keep trying to be better yeah just slight incremental improvements and i think actually life from uh, infancy to adulthood is is a series of expansions of your sphere of concern so when you're an infant you're like i don't care what needs to be done to give me what i want or who i'm pissing off on this airplane or <laughs> like yeah. i just need what i need and then you're taught to share 
And then, you know, you become an adult and you're taught to provide beyond sharing, like not just take what you have and cut it in half, like go earn and spread more. And then as you become a community leader, your, your sphere of concern increases. And so I do think that all people, where, wherever they are at in their age, chronological stage, and also the, their consciousness evolution, you should just try to push the boundary a yeah. little bit further. And to your point, to tie into what you said earlier, if you're not a billionaire, you can still give $30 once a year to people to provide clean water to them. You know, they're, they're, no matter who you are, you can do something incrementally so that you're doing more for the world than you were. Yeah. While recognizing, myself included, you're always causing harm. Yeah. There's, there's, and, and the goal is not to be perfect, as you said. The goal is to just do a bit, just a little bit better. Yeah, and try to live in a way that if everybody did, the world would be a much better place. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I was just curious. Okay. Putting us on the spot, <laughs> keeping us on our toes. I, well, I would, I appreciate it because Ben and I can agree. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. Often, <laughs> we got to get a fourth camera, get Justin's face on the camera. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next one was an article about should you delete Tinder? Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of people from the millennial generation are uh, getting frustrated kind of at digital dating. Um, the paradox of choice being like you have so many options, but that's also not, you know, the greatest thing in the world. There's yeah. a lot of anxiety that comes with that. Yeah. Um, but the part that really caught my eye about the article was them talking about the future of digital dating and how um, Facebook right now is creating a new dating product that includes options for users to share video or photo based on stories and main feeds from their Facebook account. And then it's going to basically use an algorithm to like decide your chemistry with somebody else. Nice. And then it's going to wow. pair you up. I have to start wow. using Facebook again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually, so the, the first part of what you said I think there's a lot of complainers about Tinder, but I think most people are not too upset about Tinder. Can I say something they're, I they're love? They're just quietly enjoying it. I Go love ahead. articles like this because they yeah. always glorify the past, which yeah, gives yeah, me yeah, such, yeah. makes me giggle. Yeah. I read the article because Justin sent it to me ahead of time. It's like, because of Tinder, we've invented new words like ghosting. <laughs> Do you think that before Tinder, people didn't ghost? Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. didn't ghost on Tinder. They would yeah. ghost on text. And before that, they ghost via male like yeah. like uh there was another thing i forget what it said but it's just this idea that everything was better before and this halcyon and now past, yeah and now things are inventing it's new trouble because of the tinder mm -hmm. it's like who wrote this this is hilarious yeah people are people are stressed about their dating lives because they have too many options <laughs> oh were they not stressed about their dating lives before tinder yeah. before tinder we had a dating utopia where no one was stressed yeah i love it cracks me up I do, and I do think that, yeah, of course, you get the complainers, but there's so many people on Tinder that don't write or talk about Tinder oh, outside of, of use of Tinder. It's like they're enjoying the app for what it is. Yeah. I also think that the, uh, I mean, Tinder is, it's it's mostly a hookup app as far as I could tell. Whoa, dude. <laughs> you know what Maybe I mean? for you. Nah, I think, I mean, if you look at uh, the number of people you go, how did you meet? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm Versus like, what is your Tinder story? It's like. You can, of course, use it for any number of... You're looking for of, a relationship. Yeah, you can use you it. You go to Hinge. I don't know what you... You could go to eHarmony. You could go to something... Christian Christian Mingle, right? Uh, and so... J-Date, for those that aren't Christian. Yeah. You can use it for whatever you want. You could be clear be clear about what you're interested in. Uh, no, it's great, man. I'm, I'm generally team technology. Yeah. Although, and, I will, the one thing I do agree with is the more options might not be the best thing. We talked about this. The key to happiness might be being in, born in a very small town that you never leave. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I think that how has, how has Tinder affected you? I mean, I lived the same life. Before Tinder, I was putting effort into dating by going to bars and yeah. talking to women on the street. And now I 
put less time into dating actually, but I date as much, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. It's just easier. Yeah. It facilitates what my desires were prior. Mm -hmm. So not dramatically changed. No. I mean, I go to bars less because now instead of going out to meet women at a mm -hmm. bar, I just use dating apps to meet them. Any thoughts on the AI side of things? Any thoughts on the virtual meetups on the... Well, I'm going to have to figure out a game. Sorry, not AI, virtual reality. Yeah. AI is a different issue yeah, with yeah. dating. Well, no, that, <laughs> the idea that they're going to use my profile to try to match me, I just have gotten off social media. Yeah. So if that were to happen, I would have to get back onto social media, which is exactly why Facebook is doing it. They're trying I, to get me back on Facebook. That's such an interesting thing. And of course, I don't know because we'll have to see how this plays out. But do you want to simply only be matched with people that have a high statistical probability of being long-term potential matches or at least just being interested in whatever you're interested in? Is there a value in the terrible date <laughs> is, <laughs> is the question. I don't know. Uh, but it sounds like they're trying to cut those out well you and i have different our, our definition of terrible date would be you go out to some with someone you have a conversation and you don't end up wanting to see them again there sure, are people sure. who have towards these dates that are not good in time boring dates let's yeah, say. yeah i mean people have horror stories yeah yeah, yeah, dates, yeah. you know i, I don't want to well, whatever it is they're trying to do away with that and with have your date. satisfaction yeah. at the end of the date be on the positive well, no, side tinder's of the scale. not to be clear tinder wants you to use tinder one of the worst things tinder could is get all their people on match, Tinder. <laughs> if the, the worst case scenario is they match me with someone who I date exclusively. Yeah, yeah. And then I delete Tinder. Eh, if, as long as that happens with a small percentage of people. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. If Tinder, if what Tinder was, was a platform that everybody found someone they married within a month, it'd be valued a lot less because they have a, it's a subscription business. I pay extra every month just to be able to like do less on Tinder, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and get better results. They, well, they love that. They want me to be on Tinder for 10 years. The day I get married and delete Tinder, that's a bad day for them. Yeah, but if they knew they could do that at a high level, they would just charge an insane amount of money for the platform and they would make thousands of dollars per guaranteed match. Yeah, you know? but you know what would happen then? Someone would start a hookup app because Tinder would only be for people <laughs> that want relationships. And so then there'd be a split. And you'd have apps for people that wanted to use the AI. Well, there are, right? And then there'd be hookup apps. There are. There's so certainly don't match are. me with anyone who has, doesn't have a tongue ring. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else? Okay. Um, no disrespect to tongue rings. <laughs> They're dope. So save me, Justin. <laughs> all right. Um, the last one I got is that a Los Angeles veteran police caught fondling dead women's breasts on body cam. Um, so apparently these two cops had responded to a Jesus. house call about like a woman who might potentially be dead. And then um, one of the cops like left the room and then the other guy turned off his body cam um, and then he tried to reactivate it, but apparently there's like a two minute buffer period. So I guess he pushed his luck and then was kind of like fondling this dead woman. And then the body cam like turned on, you know, oh, after the two minute it. buffers and then it caught him. So the biggest thing here is, okay, that's one weird dude. Why can cops turn off their body cams ever? I don't, I don't understand why don't that know. is a thing. These things should have no off button. I agree. Like... I guess what is it? If you go take a pee, maybe like what what sort of things? Well, they still they face forward. They can't see your. Ass. Yeah, you could I, wear a you could wear a cop body cam and piss, and it wouldn't pick it up. I mean, that's the one thing where I can understand the desire. Where if you're getting naked or you're you know, I can understand the desire for I privacy. Think, we've, we've talked about this. Even if they if they malfunction, there should be a huge fine for the to the station to the police to the station yeah. for not yeah not to them. the police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're yeah, cause, oh, there was a malfunction, you know, and this person was horribly hurt. Yeah, but not by the cop and there's no evidence it's like yeah there should be a big fine if your body cam this, stops I, working i want to hear an argument against because i because i don't know the argument against and i'm genuinely interested why you should be able to turn them off why should you ever turn a body cam off like this can only 
This should just be evidence against criminals. Mm-hmm. Is is what it should be. This should this should end yeah, if you're on, a clean, on occasion. If you're a good if you're a good police officer, of which there are many, yeah, wouldn't you just want all the body cam footage you could possibly have? Mm-hmm. Because then it def- it protects you from people thinking that you did anything out of line. Now I also understand. Uh, I suppose a desire. You're sitting in your car. You're talking shit to your friend. You're just you know talking. You're gossiping about someone in the station. I don't know. Maybe like. But even so, just don't. If there's some way to to, and I'm sure the legal system kind of has this. This is irrelevant to the case. We're not going to bring this in. We're mm-hmm. not going to try to embarrass this guy where he says he cheated on his wife, you know, in in his cop car prior to the alleged incident that he had. And so we're not going to bring that up to silence him. For instance, we're only going to use the relevant stuff mm-hmm. because I could see that being a potential issue where they get blackmail, uh, that kind of stuff. Some guy confesses to cheating on his wife or something, uh, but was clean in his duty as a cop. But yeah, man, I don't get it. I don't, I don't. Please, someone chime in. Tell me why. <laughs> tell me why. Why should a police body cam go off ever? Uh, yeah, don't get it. It seems like it would be great if you're just a cop doing your job because it's collecting evidence for you. So now mm-hmm. no one has to take your word and mm-hmm. someone can't lie against you because mm-hmm. you got it on footage. Yeah, I don't know. Refs hate it. Small tangent, but NBA refs are yeah. under, can have re- reviews now. Yeah. And it's hilarious because if you are a ref and you make a bad call and a coach challenges it, you just uphold your call 90% of the time. They're still doing it's it? It's unbelievable. Yeah, because they don't have a third party review it, which is weird because you are you know you're being recorded. So weirdly enough, the perception of you would be better if you just said, I got that one wrong. Which happens all the time in the NFL. In the heat of the moment so far, because it's the first year and, I, and there are challenges that have been reversed. So kudos to those refs. But there's a lot of calls that are clearly wrong and they get challenged. And the guy just goes, no, I got it right. Let's keep going. In the heat of the moment, they, they're too proud. Well, what's interesting is it seems like we're entering an era where more and more is recorded. And so all the things in the past were you able to be like, no, I didn't fart. Where people were able, yeah, I got that call. Dude, right? You, mean you like, stepped out of bounds. You mean like me. when the refs purposefully just went at Allen Iverson and mm-hmm. then it came out later that they were betting on those games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you couldn't do that with social media because they go, this guy's completely getting these calls wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's and, a new era. and it's recorded and, and scrutinized and reviewed. And it seems like as a society, we have to get used to the fact that people are frequently wrong. Experts in their domain yeah, are, yeah. And, and just be like, there's a totally acceptable. Yeah, no ref is going to make every call exactly. correct. There's, there's, there's a completely acceptable number of times that someone can be wrong and still be excellent yeah. at, at what they do. And we're just going to have to get used to that because this we're is, all looking at everybody Dude, funny enough, funny enough, people think that that would make them look bad mm-hmm. to overturn a call. But if you were the ref that just went out there and, and just said, listen, I'm going to try my absolute best to get these right. And when I screw up, I'm going to own it. You'd be the player's favorite ref. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I They're think also that, on the Jumbotron. So they got people just seeing exactly that's what, what I'm saying. But I bet there's parallels to that in the workplace too. We've had that. We had, we had someone that was trying to cover up mistakes and it just makes it worse. And yeah. the best thing they could have done is just come, come immediately and just be like, hey, this happened. Here's where I'm at. I'm fixing it. You know what I mean? I think there's parallels to other people's lives too. It's not just if you have a camera recording at all times. Mm. It's often to your benefit to just own your mistakes instead of trying to say they aren't mistakes or hide them. Mm -hmm. And of course, this doesn't mean that anytime you're a ref and you have to review it, it's like it's try to be fair in the assessment. If you didn't make a mistake, yeah, yeah, of don't, course. Don't line up and say that you did. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, just remove the emotion of it. I don't think they're trying in the moment to screw anyone. I think ego gets involved and emotion gets involved. You're being mm-hmm. challenged and people hate being challenged, right? Yeah, yeah. Just in general in life. And you immediately get defensive. Your heart rate goes up. 
your decision making gets impaired. This is true, not just in official challenges, but when anyone challenges anything you say, really. And I think in the moment the refs just get heated and their ego gets up and they're just they're just under duress almost. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to excuse them, but I'm saying if they what well, seems like a separate system, if like they had a third party that was just sitting in ref. the booth and watched the footage and just went, no, it's not a foul. It doesn't go to the booth. No, that's NFL. No, right? the person the person that made the call puts on a headset, watches it again, and then reviews their own call oh, yeah they need a booth they need a yeah because it's human nature people upstairs. to get heated and defensive cool what else we got uh so now we're on fan questions fans let's do it so it's been a minute since we've uh had these yeah, it should be there's quite a- 730 <laughs> questions <laughs> yeah so this first one's from alex de la cruz and he says he's got a friend who's currently in a really bad spot mentally and he's having a hard time trying to do a balance of talking to him um so he wants to know when is it the best time to just listen to what a person with depression has to say and when is the best to give your actual input? Mm. Do you want to start or would you like me to? It's a tough question. I think we kind of talked about this on another podcast, have, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say... Victim mentality type thing we've, we might have talked about, but we can briefly cover it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would just say you can ask them what they need. You mm-hmm. know, are they... And again, they don't get infinite license to do this forever, but if somebody is incredibly upset, you can say, hey, listen do you want me to help you solve this problem or do you just need somebody to lend you an ear mm-hmm. you know because i think unsolicited advice can be very poorly received so you always want to try to make it become solicited advice so if mm-hmm. someone's complaining to you you can just say hey do you want my advice do you want to brainstorm on this try to come up with a solution or right now is what you need to someone who will listen to you yeah and then that will determine your behavior and if they say just listen just listen three four five exactly times, if you go, okay i'm no longer willing exactly to be, uh the emotional exactly hey man it's been two months every single day we talk about the same thing it doesn't look like it's getting better i love you but i don't really want to talk about this anymore unless you want to yeah problem solve at which case yeah we could talk about getting you a therapist i got away can listen yeah yeah (laughs) and we can sit and we can talk and i'm happy to do it but we've we've burned through my ability to just sit here and listen and watch you hurt yourself or make decisions that are bad for you or wallow Mm -hmm. you know i i can't be in here forever mm-hmm. but you wouldn't say that the first time that they say yeah, something yeah. you know you just ask what they need sure and then you're going to end up with somebody who either keeps bringing it up in which case you have to decide if you want to keep that relationship going wants to problem solve in which case you get to help a friend or you just talk about other things and they can go elsewhere for when they're upset cool i agree what else so corbin says he has a question related to charisma university mm-hmm. um so he's been in the course for a couple weeks and he's taking it slow watching one video every couple of days interesting um and trying to kind of enact the action guides but um he references what ben said in a previous episode where you end up with knowledge on what to do but um without the habits to do it yourself and so he talks about having a lack of courage to actually go out and apply yeah, yeah, yeah. the things from the videos i like sure. that question so sure like that question yeah go ahead so i would be interested in and which ones particularly are difficult i actually asked that but did he write did he write back i don't think i got on youtube i think and wrote yeah so i'd love to know i'd love to know which ones are difficult because we do try to build it in a way where they're they're very easy i i think for most people at the beginning Mm -hmm. to to do a lot of them so i'm curious what what day he's getting hung up on uh but scale back and down is my is my general thing uh any motion forward over accumulated number of days is exactly what we're trying to get in the course and mm-hmm. i and we definitely tried to make it small steps mm-hmm. every day such that most people do it but if you're finding hey this is this this state of this day is a little bit too much of a leap for me 
Okay, let's talk about scaling it back. Like, what is the principle that we're talking about putting in place here? Can you do it with someone you know? Can you can you yeah. do it with someone that is low stress? Can you do it with a person that you see all the time? And we often talk about service people in your life, uh, who you order food from, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, how can we make this particular ac- action less of a stressful thing and more of like, oh, I could do that easily. I just don't often think yeah. about doing that. No, and I think that's in the course, actually, that we we often say that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's a sense, which I've seen and probably experienced at some point, of, of wanting to do the most difficult example mm-hmm. and then feeling inadequate when you can't do it. Yeah, right? yeah. So I think that for some things, for instance, with touch, it's like, listen, if the first thing you want to do is touch a friend on the shoulder, that's fine. Eventually, you'll work up to high-fiving a stranger when you meet them or hugging mm-hmm. a person when you meet them at the bar. Yeah. And there's this sense of, yo, you hear this and you go, oh, that's what real success is. And doing this first easy thing that Charlie said doesn't is count. a cop-out. Yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't count. We had a guy call and he said, it doesn't, like, oh, I'm doing these things, but I feel but like it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. So, because I, I think the course does talk about the different gradations, but mm-hmm. sometimes we can hold ourselves to the highest standard. The highest yeah. standard. So what I would say to this person is like, it's to- it is a success if you do anything that is outside your comfort zone, even if it's a millimeter outside your mm-hmm. comfort zone. So push yourself to the extent you're comfortable, weirdly enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stay, uh, the millimeter outside your comfort zone is exactly, I don't normally do this, I wouldn't normally do this, but I can I can do this. You yeah. know, that That's what you're looking for. Yeah, you don't have to do the hardest example to count it a victory. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, last question from the username name here. Name here, oh, yeah. got it. <laughs> Uh, so if you had two weeks to live, but couldn't tell anyone, what would you do in that time? See a radical change in my behavior. <laughs> borderlands, borderlands, borderlands. No more work. <laughs> I'd have all the good guns. No, I mean, I think I, unfortunately, I just have the most cliches thing to say ever, which is time with friends and family. Yeah. And, uh, I give all my money away to various people, charities or my loved ones or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh sorry guys i wouldn't i wouldn't do any more podcasts or any more videos it would just truly be the friends and family and uh maybe some time alone as well uh, to to write reflect mm-hmm. those sorts of things but set up a will for sure yeah i care less about that it's okay. your dog man i gotta make sure summer's taken care of <laughs> i also don't have as much to give away uh that yeah nothing nothing crazy on my end yeah i wouldn't like go i wouldn't go do skydiving go to the great wall of china like none of that to me those visiting once in a lifetime i have to experience this i don't if that was all my desire if that that was on my list i would try to do it now anyway Mm -hmm. because you know i mean you might die tomorrow yeah yeah. so i think yeah if there was something that i if there was something i'm not doing that did come to mind i would want to do it in 2020 Mm -hmm. you know uh i kind of did i used to have a bucket list burned yeah. through it pretty quick yeah 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 you wouldn't give a magnum opus podcast though where you scripted your last you know like the guy at the last lecture i'd do it last you one. wouldn't do a last lecture. i do a last one but i yeah. would do it in the first day i wouldn't like tr- save it to the end no. i'd be like you just sit down for a day you go okay i'm gonna die i can't tell people i'm gonna die yeah but i'm gonna make 30 minutes of all right guys you're not gonna hear from me for a while i'm taking yeah. a break from podcasting <laughs> your magnum opus yeah, what would I say? Be kind to one another. It'd be so lame. It'd be so yeah. cliche. That's how I felt about my mind bloom experience. Yeah, I was yeah. laughing at it. You the know, psychedelic it's, thing is it's like these are mind blowing and so trite. <laughs> so when you're on, when you're experiencing it, you're like, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. And I like because you, it's it's very similar. I think the best way, if you have never done a psychedelic, is to consider the difference between a dream and waking reality, which is to say that it's a completely different state of consciousness. Different rules apply, but when you're in it it seems like the only one. Yeah. And so when you're awake, you're like, oh, that stupid, silly dream. How did I believe that? But when you're in the dream, yeah. that stupid, silly waking life. And well, so- the, other, the other thing, <laughs> I'm going to, we'll tangent and then come back to this, but I, I realized this. There's 
truisms are different when you experience them versus mm-hmm. when you think them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, we all uh, I, we talked about on the podcast the anecdote of the monk and a, and a person is on a horse and they fall and they break their leg and the village says, "Oh, what a tragedy." And then there's a draft and he doesn't get drafted and the village goes, "Oh, that was great." And the monk's point is, you didn't know that it was good when he broke his leg. It might be bad that he's not drafted. Just don't judge. But I have it in my own life. So I've heard that before. But I was thinking about why do I care so much about how, what other people think of me? Oh, it's because I was bullied as a child. And when other people would talk badly about me, it meant not getting invited to parties, not having friends, being picked on, crying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it burned into my head. Oh, this is really bad when people don't like you. Mm-hmm. And probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if I had been really popular, I don't know that I would have done so well in school. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't have tried to learn charisma. And so this whole wonderful life that we've built is the result of being picked on as a kid. But I hadn't tied the two together. So for me, I'd heard the monk story, but it didn't really register. And then I was on psychedelics thinking about my own childhood. And I had that moment, which I think will help me carry the lesson forward into future mm-hmm. bad things more than just the story. Yeah. And so funny enough, yeah, the the, pod, the Magnum Opus podcast might be a bunch of truisms, but the more you can actually internalize them and feel them and experience them, that's when they're life-changing. Like we all know things that are true that love is the answer you yeah know, we all we, know we, them in we our all heard brain. the beatles song you yeah know? like we know it to be yeah the but case. the extent you can set yourself up <laughs> with experiential ways to get that into your subconscious mm-hmm. that's that's when i think they become profound life-changing beliefs yeah. instead of just fun thoughts that are good quotes yeah and so there's a couple of ways and so i guess on the podcast the, the one most available is through storytelling because story mm. storytelling puts you into a trance and mm-hmm. uh that would be it but yeah with the with the psychedelic thing i was like don't forget don't forget don't forget and i came back i was like oh yeah it's okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't forget that (laughs) like it's okay and uh it was like a self-love thing it was like i love you was just like the the mantra that was going through i was like remember don't because you're gonna (laughs) if we were giving a magnum opus podcast we'd have to do it in two steps one come up with all the best advice that we really wanted to give people yeah and then two come up with ways to incept it besides just saying them yeah, this is what I'm most excited for, I'll tell you, for 2020. And, and unfortunately, I'm not going to get to work in it right away because we're trying to, in the business of Charisma on Command, uh, my my week is is consumed with these breakdowns. And so it's tough for me to come up with new, larger content than mm-hmm. what you see on every Monday. So we're trying to get people to help. We've previously had a video editor. We're trying, we've had people help with research. And now we're trying to have someone help with the writing aspect. Really, really challenging yeah. thing to do. But if we're successful in that, what I want to do is exactly what you talked about, is figure out how to incept these trite, obvious, mm-hmm. self-lovey things effectively through a course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a project that, that gets me very, very excited. But, yeah, yeah. And we've, we've, I mean, I took my first best crack at it in the Emotional Mastery course. It's, I think it's good. People say very positive things, but I feel like I've got a better effort mm-hmm. in me. And it's also been a year and a half, two years. I feel like I've learned a lot that, yeah. I, could, that I could add to it. Um, other than taking your course, because obviously we're a little bit biased, a little bit. How does one internalize this stuff? So, for instance, there's a saying which I'm going to butcher, which is the idea that you you cannot hate someone and know them fully at the yeah. same time. Anyone you hate is just someone you don't have empathy for, and you can hear it and go, "Oh, okay," but then you just go right back to hating people, and that's something again I have like taken years yeah. to finally in- internalize that it was not something I just picked up. How could I have done that faster? How could I have understood that the key is empathy? So I think that there's, I'm going to even just without that particular 
I'll give you the context and not just the content. Of sure. It. So I think the context, which is why psychedelics work, is different states of consciousness. So uh, it's not exactly the same, but when you're in a life or death situation and you make it out of it, you often see people undergo these radical, drastic changes. Mm -hmm. So uh, near-death situations can do this. I mentioned psychedelics. Those can do it. Trance states can do it, meaning uh, storytelling is a light trance state. There's mm -hmm. hypnotic suggestion that you can go into. Do you, uh, have you found hypnosis is good for long term? Because I've tried it and I find hypnosis is great for short term, but doesn't really stick. So I've never had, as far as I can tell, a long, well, here's the difference. You're considering hypnosis like you are now feeling very sleepy. Yeah, but, yeah. but when you listen to Ed Sheeran, that's that's a trance state. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so like, I agree. Uh, I, hypnosis is effective. It definitely is. When you're looking for your wife at 70, where did that come from? Like these things were repeatedly yes. and it's not just a one time but repeatedly hypnotized into you so if you listen to different music every day i think that takes you to a trance state yeah. that that can last i do agree with that <laughs> i do agree with that number one thing people should take notice of is what are the messages in your in your media that your you consume and your music is perhaps music, your storytelling music and tv yeah, and music TV. and tv what are, what's the moral of the story if you are really depressed i would check what hypnosis you're doing to yourself i agree mm -hmm. with that so that's one. And then there's these intense states that they create at these retreats where they take you boot camp, puts you in a different state, a different mode. They, they purposely, why do you think you don't get to sleep in boot camp? It's to break down your normal state of consciousness and reprogram you in a different way. Mm. They do the same thing at the Esalen style retreat, not necessarily with sleep, but they keep you in the room 12 hours a day. They freak you out, they break you down, they make you scream and cry so that you're open to a transformative change. So what they all have in common is they require shifts in your normal waking state of consciousness mm. and that can be happen as or meditation is another great example so the lightest examples might be reading uh they might be music and then the more extreme examples are these retreats vipassana yeah. 10 day stuff psychedelics so i think there's a whole spectrum of things which are which change your state and then even dream analysis i would say can have pretty profound uh effects carl jung was, was all about that cool he's the man <laughs> Anything else? That's it. We did it. That was a quick one. That was I'm proud a of us. Quick one, man. I'm proud we, of we us. Cranked through that. So yeah, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We're back now. What was I going to say? So there's a handful of podcast things. Help us do good. Let us know what you <laughs> <laughs> let us know what you like, what you didn't like. We're I, I know that some of the diehards might not like this, but it was advised, and we're considering keeping the episodes shorter, like yeah. trimming what is considered to be fat by. Justin, the editor, and even by Ben and I to try to keep them to more uh, consumable lengths for new people. If you hate that idea, let us know. If you like that idea, because like, yeah, sometimes you guys yeah. <laughs> kind of ramble. Right now, even. Right now is clearly fat, but I need this. Uh, let us know. Any sort of guidance you have in the topics that you like, the ones that you don't like, this thing is very, very open to change, and we need your feedback. So let us know. Peace. Thanks for watching and listening. And listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.